Hello and welcome to Tinker Talks. This is an audio format podcast dedicated to telling the stories of what goes on behind the fence of one of the Air Force's largest bases. Tinker Talks comes to you twice a month and features a wide variety of guests. Today we have the pleasure of sitting down with the 72nd Security Forces Squadron Commander, Lieutenant Colonel Tyrell Mayfield. Good morning, sir, and thanks for taking time out of your busy day to sit down and chat with us. Good morning, Mark. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So, uh, first off, if you could give us, the, the uh, listeners, the 200-word or less countdown of kind of uh, who you are and, and what you do. Sure. Uh, most people here at Tinker know me as the commander of the 72nd Security Forces Squadron, uh, and that's something that I'm honored to be. Uh, I'm a career Air Force officer who's had the opportunity to travel a great deal, meet all kinds of people, and work a lot of very difficult problems. I grew up in an Air Force family. Uh, I got to spend some time in the Army uh, on the enlisted side, and I was lucky enough to marry an awesome lady who I've known since I was a kid. We are the sum of our experiences, and I've spent as much time working outside of the traditional Air Force structure as I have in it uh, as an advisor of the foreign militaries, as an attache, and in joint and coalition assignments. So I think I'd describe myself as a lifelong learner. Uh, I learn something new about myself every day mm-hmm. and things about other people, about how the world works. And I try to spend a little bit of time every day focusing on that, on learning and challenging myself and others around me. Wow. Aside from that, uh, I love seeing live music. This is one of the best parts of being stationed in Oklahoma. There's <laughs> tons of great music venues uh, here in town. That's and lots for sure. of great acts that come through. And uh, so lot, seeing live music and hanging out at home are kind of my hobbies, I guess. Awesome, that's incredible. Uh, and before I jump into the next question, it, it, uh, you definitely have a wide variety of, uh, of things you're interested in, so that's pretty cool. So you did mention being uh, in the Army as an enlisted person, and you are an Airman Ranger, I believe. Yes, sir. Uh, you completed the grueling Army Training School. Uh, are there any specific tools or traits you gained or appreciated from that experience? So I'll tell you that going to ranger school was not fun, uh, but I did learn a lot in the process. And I think the value of the course to me has changed over time. As an NCO in the Army, being ranger qualified made me a better leader, a better practitioner at the tactical level. But over time, the value of my experience has changed, and I learned a lot about myself over that course. I learned that my mind quits before my body does. Uh, Your body will do pretty much whatever your mind tells it to. I learned how to behave under stress, how I behave under stress, how my decision-making changes, how I interact with people, how that changes, uh, and how other people will see and view me as a leader, how that changes when I'm under stress. So reflecting on those experiences today, those are the most valuable tools I gained. Insights on how I respond to stress, how groups of people behave in stressful environments, Mm -hmm. uh, and how important relationships are when leading people through challenges. That's awesome. So I I didn't... um... I didn't really prepare to ask this question, but just real briefly, uh, what made you make the transition from enlisted army to, to uh, Air Force officer? Yeah, that's that's good. So uh, I grew up in an Air Force family, okay. and we all do those things despite our fathers, right? So I, I think I joined the army in part uh, <laughs> out of that. But I, I was in the Illinois Army National Guard, okay. and I was going to school at Illinois State University. Right. Uh, that's where I envisioned going to school at because mm-hmm. uh, I enlisted at 17. So I was still at a delayed enlistment program in, a, in high school at the time. Uh, and there was a guard unit in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, that was co-located with where I wanted to go to school. So I moved that direction, graduated college, spent six years in the guard. But uh, I wanted to continue to serve my country. 
and I knew I wanted to be an officer. Mm -hmm. And I spent some time thinking about being an officer in the Army or being an officer in the Air Force and quality of life for family right. is what it came down to for me. I, 1999 when I commissioned is different than 2001, right? Obviously, the pace of things is very different now than it was when I commissioned. That's for but, sure. But uh, the quality of life for families is, is what drove me back to the Air Force, I guess you could say. Awesome. That's very cool. Um, and so people have said that you don't have a TV in your house. It's kind of a, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a running joke, but it's definitely a, maybe not of the norm. Uh, you're an avid reader and a, and a podcaster. Um, so how do you think that that shapes you or helps you lead your airmen? And does that change your perspective and your priorities? That's an interesting question. After this, you'll have to let me know what the running joke is. Okay. Uh, it's true that I don't have a TV. We haven't had one in our home for over a decade. Uh, I do read, not as much as I'd like to, but I'll get through two or three books a month, uh, time permitting. I've been on a few podcasts, but honestly, I hate the sound of my own voice, and so <laughs> I avoid this medium whenever I can. Right. I like to write and dabble in photography too, but those are both very creative activities for me, mm -hmm. and I need a lot of white space to, to do them well. I think the value in reading is that you basically get free experience from doing it. You don't have to personally experience something to understand what happened, to put your experience, that experience in your toolkit so that when you see a problem in the future one day, you might have a model to help solve it. Right. Writing and publication for me are the most important parts of learning. And uh, I think writing forces you to, to think through an argument to address its weaknesses and strengths and prepare for the conversation that follows. And there's real value in that for all of us in the military. I think some would make the argument that television, movies, even theater, and other forms of entertainment can be valuable in this way. And I just found for me that television wasn't additive for me. It was something that I just consumed. It was not interactive. Right. Um, and so I just cut it out. Okay. I just cut it. And, and some people, um, you know, this isn't about me, but I know I, TV for me is a background. It's just, it's yeah. just background noise. Um, but anyway, I, I, I do think that it's interesting that you don't even own a TV. You know, yeah. that seems so, so rare. But... In our house, the background noise is music. It's always music on in our home. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah, just Which explains your, your love for going to see lot, live, live shows. Live shows here. There's a lot of it. <laughs> so what would you... Uh, what would you encourage the younger generations to take from this model, this this reading and this education and kind of wrapping that all up into even being a defender? Yeah, so coming back to Tinker, this is my first assignment on an Air Force base in eight or nine years. Huh? I've been out kind of in the joint and coalition world for a long time. So it was it was fascinating to come, come back to the Air Force. And I've been just really impressed with the airmen that come through for one-on-ones when they first come to the unit. Uh, and I have airmen that are coming in here with bachelor's degrees, with master's degrees. Impressive. And it's really fascinating to watch the caliber of uh, citizens that raise their hands to, to volunteer and serve the country. But as far as what I would encourage them to do from the, from the model is I'd encourage them to take what works for them and leave the rest, right? It's not a model that, that works for everyone or will work for everyone. And the way that people learn and absorb information is changing. It, it changes across time. I think as long as people are making deliberate choices about how they continue to learn and lead, and they spend some time thinking about what it means to be in the Air Force, in this profession of arms, about our obligations to our country and the citizens we serve, that we're gonna be okay. At. There are a lot of ways to get there. And while the Air Force is 
also changing the way it presents information to its members. I mean, we see big changes in ALS now and mm -hmm. uh, how PME is presented to the enlisted corps. Okay. Uh, we all have to continue to grow and adapt as individuals. And the service is, uh, and as an institution, is slow to change, mm -hmm. but I think we can lead that change at the individual level, right? Right. Um, They're a highly, highly professional group of young men and women. Yeah, they sure. are. They, they continually impress me. They yeah. do. But this, this idea of change is, is really important, right? And so things that don't change die, right? They, they cease to exist. Uh, everything is a competition. And I think General Shinseki, uh, he was the 34th Chief of Staff of the Army, he has a great quote. He says, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. Right. Boy, that's so a no joke. You have to, we have to realize our environment has changed. The people that we're leading are changing, right? Right. Uh, and we as an institution have to change too. So I'd offer this to other generations, younger and older, uh, to look around you, to find people that you want to be like, mm -hmm. uh, and then pick up some of the things that they're doing to adapt your own approach to service uh, through their model. But remember, what works for others won't necessarily work for you. And uh, you have to find your own way. Right. That's Well, and even, even our podcasting, you know, this is a fairly new way of communication uh, even for us, but it's, it's all about that adaptive change. And we, we find a way to, we're trying to reach everybody's model of learning and absorbing. So, uh, and we do learn a lot from different generations. As a leader, how do you balance or encourage new ideas or practices from your airmen? Yes. Have you been talking to my first sergeant and my chief? <laughs> this, is, this is tough. Uh, I think airmen have a lot of great ideas. There are also a lot of barriers to getting them. Mm -hmm. uh, there are barriers to getting their ideas in the hands of people who can actually influence change or adapt change. As a squadron commander, I can't work on problems that I don't know about. Uh, so I think spending time listening to airmen and interacting with them where they work uh, as well as when I encounter them off-duty is an important part of this. And this comes back to relationships for me. And while my relationship with my airmen is defined in a large way by rank and position, mm -hmm. I'm working hard at building trust and relationships with my airmen that transcend uh, the positional authority, right? Yeah. It's important that they're comfortable coming to people with change or with ideas or concerns. And we have to create an environment where airmen know and understand boundaries uh, but one that also lets them know that there's a time and a place to ask questions and there's a time and a place to challenge the status quo. Right. Awesome. That's great, great advice, great view. Um, so how does an Air Force Security Forces team resemble a civilian police force, or, or do they? Yeah, so I think we have a lot of the same obligations to protect the people and the resources under our watch, but we also have an obligation to defend our nation. Uh, civilian police force certainly has an obligation to protect its community but it's a different calling in my mind. Um, civilian police officers live and work in the community. Our responsibility here at Tinker is confined. It's consolidated on the installation. Our community is uh, largely transient here at Tinker. So during non-duty hours, there might be a few thousand people on the installation, mm -hmm. but by 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, we're well over 25,000 people on the installation. We do a lot of the same tasks that our civilian law enforcement folks, or counterparts do law enforcement, traffic enforcement, we have canine teams, but we also manage physical security, restricted and controlled areas, anti-terrorism force protection, plans and programs, and we send airmen downrange in support of ongoing operations. 
I would close by saying uh, that a lot of airmen come to the service uh, to get experience that then helps them become law enforcement officers later on. And I think that's one of the validations, right, that, that ties us to our civilian community mm-hmm. and shows that there are some parallels. Um, but I also believe that there are, there are some fundamental differences between what we do and what our obligations are. Right. And, so. they, and they are obligated and very busy. Um, so can you give me an, an overview of Police Week, uh, which is actually happening starting this week, and why is why it's significant to your defenders to take part in this every year? So every May during Police Week, uh, the United States recognizes the service and sacrifice of its law enforcement officers and pays tribute to those who've lost their lives in the line of duty. Police Week draws its origins back to 1962, when President Kennedy signed a proclamation designating May 15th as Peace Officer Memorial Day, and the week that around this date uh, became Police Week over time. The purpose of Peace Officer Memorial Day and Police Week is to pay tribute to the local, state, and federal law enforcement officers who serve and protect us. Uh, and this week provides us as security forces members, as defenders, the opportunity to gather so we can honor our law enforcement officers and thank them for their sacrifice. It also provides us the opportunity to learn about them, to improve our training, to become better professionals uh, so that we're ready when we're called. Mm. We have some great events planned uh, for Police Week here at Tinker. Uh, there'll be first responder and vehicle displays out at the base exchange. Uh, we're gonna have a 5K on the installation. There's a bowling tournament. Uh, we're also doing a, a golf tournament and there'll be a memorial service as well uh, Wednesday at the chapel. Awesome. So what experience will your defenders gain when police week is over? So I think the most important thing for them uh, from this perspective is the opportunity for them to work on relationships, get to know one another. Our squadron's huge, over 450 personnel in this unit. Uh, Because of the duty schedule and that 24-hour operations require, there's a lot of folks who don't get the opportunity to see other members of the squadron, just working different shifts. So it gives us the opportunity to spend time with fellow defenders we might not get to see very often. It also gives us the opportunity to focus on maintaining relationships with our community partners. Uh, Tinker is reliant upon our community partners, law enforcement, and other first responders for a lot of support, especially when we do large events like the air show, right? Which we're gonna open the installation, will require a lot of assistance. So it's a great chance for us to put names with faces, uh, build on those relationships that we're gonna need in the future. It's always better uh, when you have a personal relationship with someone when you come to them in a moment of need and have to ask for assistance. Right. Awesome. And so do you take part in Police Week and what would you say is the best or most beneficial event of the entire week? So I think uh, your mileage may vary, right? Uh, <laughs> I think everyone is going to take from this uh, what, what they bring to the table, right? So the different events uh, will are kind of set up to draw different folks to them. But I think what's important here is that we get the opportunity to spend time thinking about why we serve, about those who have gone before us. And most importantly, for me, it's spending time with the next generation of defenders. So that's what I'm looking forward to, uh, is getting out and running the 5K course with them, uh, going to the bowling tournament, you know, making uh, an appearance at the canine demonstration today, the the exchange. Uh I'm just getting to interact with my airmen and watch them interact with our community here on the installation. That's that's the best part for me. Right, awesome. And so before we close, I, w- I wanted to kind of 
circle back to something we had discussed uh, earlier on in the podcast, and that's that's reading. You're a very avid reader. Um, so what would you say would be your top few books on the commander's reading list, and what are you reading right now, and, and why would you encourage somebody to read this particular book? Okay. Um, reading lists are tough, right? There's always uh, a lot of challenges associated with that because you'll always leave something out. Um, there are a few books out there that, uh, that I return to periodically. So I read widely. I'll read history. I'll read fiction. Um, but I think uh, picking up Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, uh, is something that uh, is always useful. It's a short read. It's really uh, easy to approach. And it's helped me get through a number of difficult times. I, I try and come back to it at least once a year. So you can sit down and read it in the afternoon. It, awesome. It's super easy to read. Uh, with our ongoing operations in Central Asia, uh, it's important to kind of study history. And you would be remiss to not read Peter Hopkirk's book, uh, The Great Game, uh, The Struggle for Empire in Central Asia, which lays the foundation for what, what the events that precipitated uh, and led to Afghanistan being the challenge that it is today. So right. I think those are two books that I would certainly recommend folks pick up. But uh, it's also important to to read fiction, right? To read mm -hmm. science fiction. There, there's a lot of things that can be learned from that. And this sure. goes back to my earlier comment about reading is experiential, right? And you don't have to have the you won't have to personally have the experience to gain the insights that can be pulled from that. Right. So right now I'm reading uh, Bernard Devoto's 1846, The Year of decision, uh, which is about the opening of the American West right? oh. and uh, the settlement of what was then the Oregon Territory in California and Texas. And it's just a pivotal time in American history uh, as the country kind of surges westward and looks at conflict with other great powers, right? With Mexico or regional powers, Mexico right. uh, and Great Britain at the time, uh, as Texas and California and the Oregon Territory kind of all come into play for the United States. Um, I'm also reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity right now. Okay. So I kind of have two going at once because they're both kind of heavy reads. So I have to kind of dip back and forth between them. But uh, some other things I've picked up this year that were helpful to me is I read John Scalzi's Old Man's War, which is science fiction. And it's a great way to pick up on some of the, the ethical questions that are coming out now, especially about... Uh, human augmentation and artificial intelligence and how that's going to translate into ethical decision-making, right, for military leaders. Right. So it's a great way to pull that out of science fiction. Uh, I also read Robert Kaplan's An Empire Wilderness, which was uh, a really good way to look at uh, our own country through the eyes of a professional journalist and somebody who's traveled widely, right? Mm -hmm. But to see him come back to the States... Uh, and travel in the United States now. I think he traveled in the late 90s right. uh, when he wrote this book. And so to see some of the things that he forecasts now coming true in the, you know, in the late 20 teens uh, <laughs> is interesting. And there are some things he just missed the mark on that, that didn't come to fruition the way he saw them. Right. His other book, Earning the Rockies, is a fascinating look at the United States too. Uh, and that's a cross-country road trip that he takes uh, east to west, kind of retracing his route that he took as a, as a young man. Uh, and this was just a few years ago uh, during the last presidential election. And it's a really interesting look at the United States and the power of geography and how geography has dictated so much of our success as a nation. That's uh, something that uh, I guess I knew intrinsically, but to have Kaplan lay it out for you is really fascinating. That's awesome. Gosh, reading just take you to 
so many different places. Yeah. It's a what a wonderful tool, wonderful form. And it, I mean, even if you know radio or or TV is your big thing, I I mean certainly everybody should at least try to whack out thirty minutes a, a day or just to sit down and read a little something. Yeah, so it's all about decision making, right? Right. Every day we come in here and I make. I look at my whiteboard, which is a total mess right now, and make decisions about what I'm not going to do, right? right? And mm -hmm. so uh, we have to make decisions about what we're gonna cut away so we can focus on those things that are important. And I think you're right, uh, making time for a self-study reading, uh, even 30 minutes a day, we can do it. We just have to decide to not do something else. Right, amen. Well, with that, sir, I, uh, we're gonna wrap up here, and I truly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and I know the police week's starting here pretty soon so we got to get out of here and, and let you get on with your day but uh, thanks for joining us uh, this month and thank everybody else for joining us for this episode of Tinker Talks uh, please find us on Apple iTunes and Divids Hub that's a DividsHub.net that's for the Android users out there uh, please rate and subscribe and let us know what you think or want to hear and also, don't forget to follow us at Tinker on Facebook and Instagram, and of course, at Team Tinker on Twitter. And until next time, you all have a great week.